I'm a stupid bitch. I'm a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Dumb Bitch Media, the podcast. Hello. <laughs> My name is Ev at No Money No Honey on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Sophie at Bingo Daddy on Twitter. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm well. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Feeling good? Mm-hmm. Nice. Please note that I'm wearing a different tractor shirt. shirt today. Oh, is it a Kubota shirt? It is. I love Kubota tractors. That's my favorite <laughs> tractor company. <laughs> my other wife is a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I've been stealing shirts from my mom. Yeah. And apparently the only shirts that she owns are ones that my stepdad gets for free because he owns a Kubota tractor. <laughs> Have you ever driven a tractor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At length. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very um, straightforward once you get it. Yeah, it's not particularly yeah, it's not complicated. complicated. It's, like, easier than driving anything that has any sort of, like... You know, like secondary control on top of driving. Like if you're exactly, just riding yeah. like a riding lawnmower or whatever, like yeah. or a tractor, like that's easy. It's only starts to get complicated, in my opinion, as someone who's not particularly strong at multitasking. When you also have to operate like a bucket, yeah, or like forks at yeah. the same time. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's it's very like. Uh, <laughs> I think that's how people get lazy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> No, you get lazy eyes from playing a drum kit. What? Yeah. You wow. have to look at all the different things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely true, and I didn't just make that up. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm dead. I've been just like, my parents are gone. We're at my parents' house in the country. So I've just been hanging out, swimming. Fucking reading books, watching horror movies, nothing too serious. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Eating my mom's homemade jam. Hell yeah. Feeling relaxed, honestly. Feeling cleansed, feeling new, feeling ready to talk about the important stuff that you guys care about. Yeah. I went to the beach on Thursday. Mm Mm-hmm. And then saw my friend's show on Friday. I got with some friends from out of town yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Tired. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was at the show briefly. Yeah, you were. On Friday. Mm-hmm. I just showed up for the last two songs, Ada Shwarma, and then left. <laughs> Shwarma from a different place, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I walked in with food off the street. I had two people say to me in the last three days, mm-hmm. um, isn't liking straight girls your whole thing? What? <laughs> Why? Why are people so mean to you? You know what you, you gotta like kind of, you gotta sort of imply to people that you're crazy and you would fight them. Because yeah. I feel like people are a taught so much shit to you. Like ask me how old I am. Yeah, ask you how old you are, say you only like straight girls. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about stuff? I guess, eh? Yeah. So... There were two 
really big mass shootings in the United States yesterday. I think they were either both yesterday or one was Friday evening and one was yesterday. They were a couple hours apart. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I guess they were both yesterday. yesterday. And uh, right on the tails of another shooting, but that didn't kill nearly as many people. Yeah. And they were the 249th and 250th shooting in the United States this year. This year? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, big, 2019 has been a real banger for shootings. In, banger? Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the States, as it were. So the first one being the mass shooting in El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. at a shopping center where... I think 20 people were killed and a similar amount of people were injured, uh, followed by a couple hours later a shooting in Dayton, Ohio at uh, like a bar and grill. Yeah, it was like a restaurant. Called Ned's Somethings. Mm -hmm. And 10 people were killed and 26 people were injured. Do you know if the shooter from the Dayton, Ohio shooting was killed or yeah okay they're both dead really i thought that they had the el paso shooter in custody yeah they took him alive uh they took him alive you're right so the el paso shooter was taken alive yeah okay and the dayton ohio he died okay so the dayton shooter died and the el paso shooter is alive still yeah okay and you were telling me before we started recording that one of the guys has, like, had on his Twitter profile that he was, like, a leftist and, like, all this stuff, right? Yeah. So the Dayton, Ohio shooter, he was an employee at Chipotle. Mm-hmm. He was 23 years old. Mm-hmm. His name was Connor Betts. And he had, yeah, in his Twitter profile, we don't know what his motivations were yet. Yeah. But uh, he didn't... There hasn't been a manifesto released or anything, but he had in his Twitter profile, he, him, metal fan, anime fan, leftist. Okay. So I was joking that like, (laughs) when they dropped his Twitter handle, I had to double check to see if he was a mutual of mine (laughs) because I could literally be like any of my followers. Yeah. And also another interesting fact was his sister was one of the people that was killed. Really? Yeah. Wow. So his sister and her partner, who survived, accompanied him to the location. And they weren't the first people killed, but they were amongst... uh, Or his sister wasn't the first person killed, but she was amongst the first people killed. So they didn't know that he was going to commit a shooting? No. Okay. Yeah. They weren't, uh, they weren't implicated. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. It's pretty disturbing that they've all been young. So the mm-hmm. Darla Festival shooting, he was 19. Patrick Cruzius from the El Paso shooting was 21. Yeah. And Connor Botts was 23. Yeah. And the El Paso shooting was interesting, too, because, like, people are trying to frame it as sort of a right-wing like it was definitely a white supremacist at but the perpetrator had no real clear political leanings 
Yeah, like a lot of people want to think that all racists or white supremacists are like right wing, like they can't support other socialist ideas or leftist ideas or that they can't hide themselves well enough Mm -hmm. for people to not realize that they're racist or whatever. But that's obviously not true. Yeah. I see it all the time with other issues too, right? Like people who claim to be leftists who don't support things that arguably they should be if that's how they're labeling their political leaning. Yeah. And of course, like people have the right to, you know, have their own stance on every political issue, even if they would refer to themselves as having one particular ideology. But I mean, some are not really negotiable, right? That's the type that I mean, right? Yeah, exactly. You know. You wouldn't be hard-pressed to find people on the authoritarian left who are certainly racist and anti-immigration and Mm -hmm. misogynist. A lot of tankies, anime avatars, if you will, (laughs) definitely fall, like, are easily confused with the right because they're essentially fascists. Yeah. Right? We encounter that all the time, unfortunately, on the internet. Or she theory. Yeah. This guy was, like, he was extremely online his i read his manifesto yeah and it was coherent but kind of all over the place in terms of his goals okay first of all it was called the inconvenient truth and (laughs) he he was an eco-fascist yeah, he was before he so shot. He, he was aware that he, that name's been used. Okay. Yeah, before he shot the place up, he was like, "This one's for Aldor." <laughs> no, but he the, he opened on saying that he was sympathetic to and in agreement with the New Zealand Christchurch killer, right? Who shot up the mosque, right? Mm-hmm. And then he expressed a series of xenophobic and racist gripes grievances i guess you would say basically expressing that he was a big believer in the great replacement are you familiar with the yeah, great it's replacement the theory right yeah mm-hmm. so essentially he was a proponent of the great replacement which is a theory that basically states that jews promote multiculturalism because they're trying to like out native citizens yeah. and promote white genocide essentially nice yeah his main <laughs> sticking points i guess if you will were hispanics are overtaking texas mm-hmm. democrats are playing to the hispanic vote mm-hmm. which will make you know texas like a democratic stronghold republicans aren't much better because they're also pro-corporation Democrats are pro-corporation, Republicans are pro-corporation, both of them are pro-immigration, corporations are ruining the environment. Between automation and immigrants, there will be no jobs left for white, quote-unquote, natives. Mm -hmm. All very... So he just wanted to kill Beto and, like, Ted Cruz, and he just couldn't get to them, basically. (laughs) That's what I'm getting here. Well, essentially... Okay, this is... Before anyone takes an audio clip of this out of context, the shooter had points. (laughs) Okay? Because he is right that the Democrats will eventually win Texas by pandering to the 
immigrant vote, like the South right. American immigrant yeah. vote. Of course, that's just smart. He's like a libertarian or something. Presumably, presumably, yeah. like okay. he he had no clear political. Yeah. No, he quoted the Lorax. Nice. Like which speaks I, for the trees. Yeah, which I thought was interesting, and also a very dark reminder that all of these shooters are not that I'm not sympathizing to them or you know trying to let them off the hook for their actions or whatever but these people are are children essentially essentially. like they're they're disenfranchised by all all of these men have like come out of the education system and are feeling disenfranchised by the faltering job market and concerned about the imminent heat death of the universe. You know, unfortunately, that makes people vulnerable to violent ideations and xenophobic sentiments. Like, that's always been... People who capitalize on the fear of the unknown and xenophobia and racism have always been able to gain massive support in times of political turmoil political turmoil turmoil exactly Exactly, that's literally what we have to thank for the holocaust Mm -hmm. absolutely so the reason i was asking about the if he was like arrested or whatever was because Mm -hmm. i read that he was and then i was like i don't Mm -hmm. know if it's true but i think it's interesting because you know i feel like Every once in a while, they take a shooter alive mm-hmm. when they probably could actually be getting a lot more of them, mm-hmm. but they're just choosing, you know, like the cops are like, whatever, I'm just going to kill this guy, right? But, you know, if you get one of the shooters alive every once in a while and use it as an example, it's like, oh, look, the police is doing their job. Okay. So right? you it's think like, oh, it's... the justice system works. If you catch a shooter alive? Yeah. But I think it's purposeful in a way, right? Like, I think like, who was the last shooter that was captured alive? Was it wasn't it like Adam Lanza? Yeah, I think so. Like that was a long time ago, right? Yeah, and I mean they're putting him obviously through the mm-hmm. justice system or whatever. But it's like, I feel like there's like an intentional balance between killing people who commit mass shootings and mm-hmm. like purposely making sure that they are captured. Because if someone is like, you know, a suicide by cop type, that's not going to matter. That's not going to deter them from committing an act of violence. Definitely not. So, yeah. So not to be punitive or whatever, but what most people who commit a mass shooting want is to die by cop. That's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, to capture them alive is, in my opinion, better I think it is too, but I think it's too much work. It's probably too much work, and it's obviously always a highly charged situation, and you don't want to risk further civilian casualties. Yeah. Right? And I mean, sometimes people kill themselves as well. Definitely. Before. But I just, I don't know, I just think it's interesting, like, that he was captured because I do feel like there's probably there could be a higher rate of people that are arrested by police instead of killed in these situations 
I think that it, it might be if if these people care, the the type of people who perpetrate yeah. these crimes care, it could possibly be a deterrent. Because I imagine yeah. the last thing these people want is to be alive in their perceived hell world, yeah. <laughs> like under the carceral system mm-hmm. for, you know, X amount of years. Some people, obviously, I think the majority probably don't care, but I'm what I'm wondering is if the intention is like, I think it's intentional is what I'm saying. On the, on behalf um, of the police. Yeah. I think that it's... It, because they think that it's going to deter other potential shooters, but I don't really think it's going to matter either way. I don't think that that particularly matters. I do think it is important to understand the social and political climate that is rapidly radicalizing young disenfranchised men who have access to guns. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to understand the psychological state of somebody when they, if they ever were, presumably shift from being someone who behaves normally into somebody who considers mass violence. And, you know, the type of psychological and physical preparation that goes into a mass shooting, right? Like, I think a lot could be learned if more mass shooters were captured alive Mm -hmm. the same way that you know like so much of what we know about serial killers is because of other serial killers of other serial killers right because this is a relatively young phenomenon unfortunately and it only seems to be a phenomenon that is increasing exponentially Mm-hmm. in places that don't have gun control. <laughs> but if you keep people alive, then you have to acknowledge that some of the answers that might come out of the information that can be provided there is that access to guns is a problem. True. If you just kill every shooter, then mm-hmm. you don't actually have any way of figuring out what the problem is. Right? That's true. What, meanwhile, everyone's like, of course, you know, just having access to guns isn't the issue. But... If you take the tools away. Yeah. Right? Like, look at it. You think that there aren't young men who are in that, who are in those exact same conditions Mm -hmm. with the exact same psychological state in Canada? Of course there is. Well, you you know, you look at acts of mass violence in Canada, right? Like the van. Mm Mm-hmm incident in toronto mm-hmm. that's not as common no right and if that guy had a gun i would argue he would have killed far more people yeah more people would have died for sure definitely yeah. it's not an efficient weapon no if your goal is to kill and harm as many people as possible taking the tools with which you can use to kill and harm as many, many people, people as possible, possible as quickly as possible before you're either killed or apprehended is probably a step in the right direction. They did it in Australia. Yeah. They had one huge mass shooting. Mm-hmm. They said, fucking hand in your guns. They tightened up regulations. They took away semi-automatic weapons from civilians. And that was <laughs> like, it. Yeah. things have gotten far better. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> I just don't understand. And I would like to see, you know, and, and maybe this exists and I, I'm going in 
I'm biased or whatever. Obviously, I'm pro gun control. But can somebody please point me towards actual statistical evidence of how many violent crimes or mass shootings were stopped by a dead guy with a gun? I, you know, yeah. I'm, and I'm cops, talking. Cops don't count. I'm talking about a civilian. Yeah. Probably like literally none. No. Well, keeping a gun in your home only really advances like the t- statistics of somebody in your family shooting somebody else in your family, yeah. whether it was an accident or on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like it never increases of a good increases the good outcome of a situation. No. <laughs> like literally ever. Definitely not. And also, I want to know at what rate people are experiencing, you know, home home invasion or whatever they're really so worried about. I understand that these irrational fears are like greatly, I don't know, like they're they're disproportionate yeah. to things that you should be more afraid of. Like the fear Perceived of... Perceived risk versus actual the risk. The fear of a home invasion is much stronger than the fear of a gun accident in the home. For mm-hmm. example, the same way that the fear of getting a plane crash is far greater than the fear of getting into a car accident. Yeah. Even though we know in all likelihood which is more likely to happen, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk about something else. Yeah, I just want to briefly say that I do think that especially particularly the El Paso shooter should not be used as a center or left talking point for anything aside from gun control and the dangers of anti-immigration rhetoric. Yeah. I don't think that it should be used as a talking point to you know, say that the center or the left is far more evolved than Trump supporters or whatnot. Because the shooter did make it very clear that he understood that that was something that would happen Mm -hmm. in the wake of the shooting and that he was not a Trump supporter. So I don't think that this is a good time to blame this clearly epidemic issue that existed before Trump will exist after Trump on the presidency, even though that will be obviously a convenient liberal excuse to focus on political enemies rather than like policy changes. Yeah. Anybody can be anti-immigration. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. All right. Let's move on. Okay, so um, in the wake of the Bundy documentaries and also the series that was on Netflix, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have been talking about the fact that his daughter, who was conceived when he was in prison, Mm -hmm. awaiting trial, uh, Rose Bundy has basically, like, had her identity protected for her entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so nobody knows where she was. Nobody knows if she like changed her name, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And then this week, <laughs> a girl posted a video on TikTok mm-hmm. of herself. And I guess there's like a trend where people are posting like who their famous relatives are. And this girl posted a video of herself and it was like, my grandfather, Ted Bundy, brackets murderer, my mom, Rose Bundy. And then, but so people were like, okay, is this real? But in the video, she had pictures of like, her mother with her father ted bundy and with his the person that he conceived 
Rose with, who mm-hmm. was involved in his trial. Caroline Boone. Caroline Boone, yeah. yeah. So it's, like, obviously true. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> people just, like, feel bad for her because she spent her entire life hiding her identity just for her stupid fucking kid to expose her on TikTok. Yeah, it's so funny. I watched the video, like, a hundred times. Cause she's, like, she's like, yo, for real, famous family check. <laughs> <laughs> Famous family check, and then it's like it's just like her pointing at pictures with like captions on it. It's like grandfather Ted Bundy murderer. Like, oh my god! Uh, yeah, but it, like teenagers are stupid though, dude. Can you imagine if if that was my kid? Yeah, I don't think it's wrong to hit your kids. So <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> this poor woman. Oh my god, yeah. I know, to create a whole new life, which is what she deserves. Of course. It you has know, nothing to do with her. I was having this argument with my friend uh, the other day where I was like, well, if my one of my family members was notorious mm-hmm. for having committed some sort of like egregious, violent crimes, yeah. I would, of course, want to change my identity. And then they were like, well... But a lot of these people, you know, like become authors in their own rights or whatever. Like a lot of people make a life for themselves and like generate income and whatever off of it. And it's like their right. It's like that's their right. But also these people didn't ask for someone that they were related to. If people want to, you know, profit off that, that's fine. That's their right. But they should also have the right to do that on their own terms. Right. Like if you don't have the ability to change your identity or to hide your personal life, you don't have the ability to negotiate the terms in which you share that information. No. Because people know who you are. So, like, the woman who was the victim in the Central Park 5 case, mm-hmm. she wrote a book about her experience, mm-hmm. under, but her identity was protected during the trial, and she yeah. wrote it under a pseudonym, and it was only years later that people actually found out who the victim of the crime was. Yeah. And that's her right. Mm-hmm. You, of course. She has the right to profit off her trauma mm-hmm. as well as protect her identity. Yes, of course. And, you know, in this case, someone who wasn't even sentient at the time that he was, you know, given the death penalty, like, mm-hmm. how does that really have anything to do with her? Yeah. It's like something horrible that happened mm-hmm. is going to follow her her entire life because her mom fucked a guy who raped a bunch of women. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, of course. I was, so I was listening to like a bunch of news stories about this. And one of them that I thought was really funny, like uh, people create such elaborate stories. So they were like, how did she get pregnant when he didn't have access to tra- conjugal visits? Cause he was on death row. Right. And one of the theories that was presented in one of the articles that I read, it was not presented as like, this is what happened, but it was like, it was like a rumor. Right. Was that she passed an empty condom to him from her mouth to his mouth while they were kissing. And then he filled it with cum and then passed it back to her. And I was like, damn. But, I mean, we all know what happened was they bribed the guards. Well, he also was working on his own defense team, and he had access to a lot of spaces. Yeah. Of- that he didn't, other inmates didn't have access to. It's, like, pretty well known that they had sex. Yeah, but also... <laughs> Multiple times. Also, it's, like, it's famously known that people can bribe guards to, if not provide space for a conjugal visit that they're not supposed to have access to, at least look the other way. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's not that deep. 
No. <laughs> no, definitely not. That's just so funny. I don't think his intention was to get her pregnant. Do you think- Like, there's not, like, any of those theories are a little far-fetched, you know? Yeah, I think that her intention was to get pregnant. Oh, it was, but I, you yeah. know, the whole condom thing, obviously that's not true. Like, no. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. No. I think it's funny that they bothered getting divorced three years before he was executed also. I think there was a reason for that, though. Okay. Uh, like, some sort of legal reason. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah. Because, so, Rose Bunny was born in 1982. Yeah. Carolyn Boone and Ted Bundy got a divorce in 1986, and then he was executed in 1989. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think she met somebody else. Okay. And it's it at the time, it would have been really hard for her to get remarried even after he had died without having a divorce already. Like, it would have been a lot oh, more complicated. Okay. So, and mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, and it, that divorce is going to be very easy and quick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely far easier, I imagine, to divorce your partner who's incarcerated for violent crimes than to marry your new partner who's incarcerated for violent crimes. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine. I don't know. I'm not a bureaucrat. I'm not a bureaucrat. Fuck. I love that. That poor woman. I know, I know. Her, Her kid's fucking stupid. Idiot daughter. Her daughter's beautiful, though. She is beautiful, yeah. She's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think anything positive has ever come from TikTok? Let me think about this very carefully. Nothing good ever came from Vine, which is obviously the precursor to TikTok. TikTok is like a really like horrible like space for like steampunk lesbians, so I don't think there's anything good there. Steampunk lesbians, uh my famous, my favorite TikTok, it's not good. It's, pro- I shouldn't say this is my favorite TikTok, <laughs> but is the, the girl who's like from the American South and she's like, my boyfriend says I can't talk to my ex anymore. Should I break up with him? Do you guys think that that's like his right or whatever? And she's like, background information, very complicated story. My ex is my dad. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, my ex was, or wait, no, before she says that, she's like, my ex was literally there when I was born. I've known him for my whole life. And then she was like, I should clarify it. My ex is my stepdad or like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So funny. Ew. Iconic Mr. Et. <laughs> <laughs> I do like some of the TikTok trends that have happened. Like I really liked, um, like in a, in a way that was like harmful to me. I really liked the trend of the one where it was like all those videos of those like e-boys defending women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those were funny. It's really vague, but yeah. There was a super like Alberta one of this like guy hitting on a woman and then this other guy comes up and tears him away and it's to the t- and then they fight and it's to the tune of a Nickelback song and then he makes out with the woman. Nice. Like stay away from my girl. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Toxic mask shit. Yeah. We love it. I think that the oh, the one of the <laughs> 
the police whose wife cheated on him and he's yeah. taking off the wedding ring. That one's amazing. I like all of the ones about divorce. Yes. There's a lot of divorce ones. Yes. There was one of someone with, it, they were filming the top of their divorce papers mm-hmm. and then they like took their ring off thing and like threw it on top of the file. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know we barely have a leg to stand on here because like, obviously we're stand-up comedians. Some people would say that that qualifies us as artists but anyone who is an artist like obviously you work through things that are difficult for you by like creating work about them so I mean like obviously we both have jokes about stuff yeah bad stuff that happened to us is it not hypocritical for us to criticize people who are working through their divorces (laughs) by making 10 times about them no because it's not satirical some of them are yeah. But I would say maybe 20 to 30% of those videos are jokes. Okay. Or are intended to be poking fun at the situation. Fair. Yeah. TikTok is m- primarily a platform for people who do not have a sense of humor. Yes. So what I'm saying is they're literally working through their emotional yeah, trauma on their TikTok. Emotional trauma. So dark. Yeah. Which I get, which to me is somehow worse than just like working through your emotional trauma in like a written format, like a Twitter account or something. Yeah. Because it's intended for people to view. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why TikTok is <laughs> disturbing. So dark. I, I like laughing about all the ones of the like, the like dorky, like military cadets and stuff. Yeah. Those ones are. I hate the one of that guy who's like a teacher. And he's always making TikToks in class while his students are working. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like a he's like a thoughty like, like he's like a guy. twink guy, yeah. twink teacher. Yeah. yeah, I hate that one. We were like, can you please pay attention to your second graders? Yeah. Last night, um, when I was out with my friends, my one of my friends was really disturbed because this like gay guy like grabbed my face as I walked by him. Mm-hmm. And was like, oh my god, you look so good. And then she was like, why did he say that to you? And I was like, he thought I was a twink. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie Hayes, exclusive problems. <laughs> That's so funny. It was very, like, not in an environment where that should have been happening also. <laughs> like, it was yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some... Uh... I feel like uh, this is problematic and we can cut out if you agree, but gay dudes are the handsiest demographic. That's true. With everyone. With everyone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't straight gay, women, straight men. men didn't have toxic masculinity, yeah. they would be the handsiest, but they won't touch other men. Yes. Whereas gay men will touch other men. And But women. they don't not touch women cause they're, just because they're gay. Yeah, of course they touch yeah. women too. So that's yeah. why some of them, obviously, obviously, yeah. The the problem, the bad ones. ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we talk about uh, Oshiada? Yeah. So I'm confused about really what's going on with Oshiada with the headdresses because. Okay, so Oshiada is a music festival in Canada. Specifically, it's in Montreal. It's one of the most attended music festival. It's probably the most attended music festival. In Canada. Yeah. They have about 40,000 people there per day. It's akin to like Coachella. Yeah. In terms of like the vibe and like all that type of stuff. 
Yeah, so they put out a ban on a bunch of items, but including so traditional native headdresses. Yeah, so a lot of music festivals in Canada this year have had to really revamp their rules because Mm -hmm. of marijuana legalization. Yeah. So um, in the list of prohibited items this year at Oceaga, they've included First Nations headdress and other feather headdresses Mm -hmm. under the category of flags and banners. Okay. (laughs) Which is confusing to me. They initially banned, so I think other... Other festivals as well. I noticed that the Edmonton Folk Festival and the Calgary Folk Festival banned it. And the Winnipeg. It started at the Winnipeg Folk Festival, okay. I think. And then Oceaga followed suit. But they initially tried to ban headdresses in 2015. Oceaga. Yes. Yeah. This is the first year, I guess, that they're a prohibited enough item that if you're seen with one, it will be confiscated. Yeah. So they include underneath a description of like what they actually mean or like the reason for why they're banning it. So they Mm -hmm. say that first nations headdresses have a spiritual and cultural meaning in the native communities and to respect and honor their people. Oceaga asks fans and artists attending the festivals to not use this as a symbol or use this symbol as a fashion accessory. Mm -hmm. And then they say at the bottom, which is about all of the items that they have on the ban list Mm -hmm. items that are, disallowed on the list will be confiscated and mm-hmm. that you, they don't recommend bringing them to, to the event site because they might not even let you put it in like a like coat check basically depending on what it is yeah yeah for sure that makes sense i have heard like a lot of people say that prohibiting first nations headdresses feather headdresses whatever you want to call them shouldn't be allowed because what if an actual indigenous person wants to wear a feather headdress, but an indigenous person would never wear a feather headdress to a music, music festival, festival because they're important ceremonial, like spiritual items, which are reserved only to be worn during traditional ceremonies by leaders. Not you can't. You it's can't not happen. No, you and you can't wear one if you're yeah. not in a leadership position yeah a lot of people don't even have access to them exactly and um, elders be going to Oceaga in their uh, like (laughs) ceremonial garb like that doesn't make sense no it doesn't make any sense at all I did hear that like uh in part a lot of the pressure this year had to do with the fact that a tribe called red which is an amazing Canadian electronic group of which all the members are indigenous is performing at Oceaga this year. Right. So it would have been, like, supremely Insane. disrespectful that for them to have to see that bullshit, for sure. Yeah, my take on wearing <laughs> indigenous items of, you know, traditional garb in any sense, if you're not indigenous or even if you are outside of the appropriate times is that uh it's just embarrassing like this is as with all cultural appropriation i think that appropriating somebody else's culture is not as harmful as it is embarrassing people see you it looks bad for you yeah and it looks bad on you yeah like uh, white women just look stupid (laughs) No, that's fair. In, in like, other cultures, dressings. Yeah. Of course. 
you looked stupid. Like, <laughs> and it's, I, I hate the, like, the cultural appropriation is demonstrative of respect and stuff because nobody is telling you not to pull aesthetic references. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to run and cancel anyone for fucking cultural appropriation as it is. I will mock you for looking ugly in traditional <laughs> apparel. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to cancel yeah. anyone. But it's, it, it looks out of place. It's just stupid. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. And like, everybody can tell. Yes. And is that really what you want to be doing with your time? No. Of course not. I hope not. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I, the The appreciation thing is, is silly, like, to my point. it You can pull aesthetic references. Of course. And, and treat them respectfully yeah. without. You know, like, if you're going to wear a garment, not a kimono, not a traditional dress or whatever, if you want to wear a garment that's made out of Chinese silk or something, at least have the decency to not put chopsticks in your hair. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) You want to wear something that has, you know, a Navajo-inspired print on it or something, just don't wear earrings with feathers in them. Yeah. Or beaded jewelry. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we can all... Or suede. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we all know what people are going for. It's like, not only are you looking costumey, it's very clear... That you're doing a whole thing. What you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair rule. Right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I do think that if you're attending an event and you're a guest of the culture whose event it is and you've been invited to wear the traditional garb, of course that is fine and it's respectful. Yeah, but that's a completely separate thing. Yeah. And people always try to equate them, but it's really completely different. Yeah, but it's, it's of course, like, you know, if a white girl's invited to an Indian wedding and she's been informed that she can wear a sari that's and fine. wear henna or whatever, yeah. of course that's fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just about, like... As with basically everything, it's like about nuance and reading the room. Yeah. Oh, that thing that's so hard for most people. (laughs) I think a lot of people who are really into profiting off cultural appropriation are just willfully ignorant. Yeah. You know, they know they shouldn't be doing it. Oh, yeah. But they're rather than just not do it, if they sense that it's a little bit wrong, they'll die on the hill. Mm-hmm. Which, like, in in my opinion, is it's like you know you shouldn't be doing the th- if you know you shouldn't be doing the thing, don't do it and then argue yourself into the ground why you have the right to do it. Yeah, that uh, that applies <laughs> across board, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing, you know, where someone makes a joke that someone doesn't like, and instead of just either deleting it and apologizing or just being like, well, you just don't get it. Yeah, it's like explaining the whole time. But just defending yourself. Yes. Right? Yeah. You shouldn't have to defend yourself. Or like... If you uh, think you're right, you shouldn't have to defend yourself. Yeah. Or like slur sayers. You know? Yeah. Like if, if people... If you want to say slurs and you want to go out of your way to explain why you have the right to say certain words or something, it's like maybe you probably know that not everyone can say that word. Yeah. 
And if it's, if you're okay with saying it, just say it. Yeah. It's kind of And let my people opinion. make their decisions about you. Absolutely. If they don't like that, then that's you their know? right. Yeah, I'm not. You can't force people to be okay with it. You can't force people to be okay with it. And you're probably not going to change anybody's mind. No. But you're definitely not going to make yourself, because again, what you're doing is you're letting people know that you think that it's wrong in some circumstances, but here's why you can do it or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, just own it. <laughs> just own it or don't do it. Yeah, totally. Is essentially, you know, like, I'm not going to get into examples here, but. <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah. So please, everybody, leave your dream catchers at home. <laughs> I know your moccasins are from spring. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just don't, again, like, I don't care. It's just, like, the worst you're going to get from me is life aside. I, yeah. You know, like, oh, no. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Big yikes, yeah. Ooh, we all know you shouldn't be doing that. Awkward that you're doing it anyways. Yeah, it's funny what people think is okay or not. Okay, also, though, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like... I just think about how laughable it would be to see a white woman with cornrows today. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm sure that that happens. Yeah, of course. But it's really I just haven't, I haven't, every time you see it. I haven't seen it in, like a, in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe that's not funny. I think it's very funny. Well, it's like, you know, like that's how I feel when I see like a, like a shaved head on a straight woman. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> God damn it. What? I'm gonna start my culture is not your costuming. People who like I catch smoking natives or something. You should. <laughs> Can you imagine every time someone wore like slippers? I was like, uh, excuse me. (laughs) Anyone with big feet who wears slip-on bands? (laughs) Actually, one thing that was really, uh, I guess, I don't think this is really, like, cultural appropriation. This is more kind of, like, blatant racism. But, so, A Tribe Called Red, like, the band that I just referred to, who are, again, very good. Check out their work. Their their shit goes really hard. They have, like... from Ottawa. They're from Ottawa. They have, like, amazing samples. Most recently, they dropped a trot that samples Romeo Saiganash, saying that Justin Trudeau doesn't give a fuck about Indigenous people or their (laughs) riots. Honestly, so hard. But they were on the front line of getting the local football team the Nepean Redstones to change their name yeah yeah and the I don't know if they ended up changing the name but my little brothers played for the Bell Warriors and it was definitely like adjacent imagery I still wear the I think they changed the logo I still wear the hat that my brother had from when he was (laughs) on that team why can't people just stick with animals for high school teams yeah or you know like pirates like yeah something that real. doesn't no exactly <laughs> something that doesn't i was like the lions yeah like vikings bears yeah whatever yeah 
Yeah, I don't I don't know what cougars. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean that's cool, but <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Should we talk about the DSA convention? Um yeah, there's like one interesting thing that came out of it that we can talk about if you want. For sure, yeah, just briefly, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So we watched some of the videos of people that were at it and it was like kind of awkward to watch. <laughs> but um there is something interesting that came out of this. So Somebody on Twitter whose username is at Horganizer. Nice. Um, was part of, and I believe was the person that was at the forefront of trying to pass a resolution for the DSA mm-hmm. about sex work decriminalization. So I'll just read the thread. So she said, right. thank you to everyone who helped see resolution 53 for DSA sex work decriminalization through the DSA con 2019 endorsement is bittersweet as a co-author and a sex working member. I can tell you that this has not been easy. My time as a sex working member in DSA has been total hell. This orc has failed me over and over. Even before FOSTA SESTA, my organizing efforts were never taken seriously. I was pushed out of and alienated from DSA because of my sex work very early on. Push- pushing for DSA to recognize and support sex workers' rights at times completely destroyed me. This fight and org took so much from me and so much from the comrades who've acted as accomplices. So this resolution was voted in and then um, immediately voted to be reconsidered but then the reconsideration was actually dropped yeah so they ended up deciding to support this so basically what the gist of it is is that um they passed a pro decriminalization slash sex workers rights resolution and then yeah the motion to reconsider it was defeated so they're committing to surveying candidates about their policies on sex work and to challenge people that have backed stuff in the past like sanders basically like, yeah so they're they are going to be revisiting current candidates within the dsa as well as polling future candidates on what their specific um policies on sex work are amazing yeah of awesome. course very important disappointed but not surprised to hear about that woman's problem mm-hmm. the left regardless of people's politics Everyone, apolitical, not apolitical, even people who are considered to be progressive on almost every other cause have a purity problem. The left has a a huge purity problem. If you support workers' rights, you support sex workers. Sex work is work. If you can turn around and say sex work is work with one side of your face, then you should be able to match it with the other side of your face and say... You know, like, I support workers' rights. Of course, Don't yeah. fucking sets work is work me and then turn around and, like, not support sets workers as you would any other worker. Totally. And, you know, I think a lot of people, it is, like, a two-faced thing where they don't support sex workers because of purity things. But in some cases, I do think that it's reflective of their overall policies. You know, it's very easy for people to say that they support workers but not actually take any firm action towards supporting workers because people do so much for themselves already mm-hmm. and then you look at something like sex work which hasn't been decriminalized and mm-hmm. it's like oh there's concrete actions i can take here well i don't want to do that because i don't really support workers of course of right? course it's a it's lip service it's lip service to everybody yes of course and it's it's also i'm not going to make excuses for people who don't treat sex workers like other workers mm-hmm But I think that there is a lot of ignorance 
surrounding the sex work industry, what it really means, how it really works, whether or not people are being trafficked and exploited. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that decriminalization is an essential step to make sure that people who are being trafficked or exploited are that that's a kept to a minimum Mm -hmm. and B that those people can seek, you know, legal counsel or resources without being prosecuted. Exactly. It keeps sex workers safe. Did you see (laughs) that Uber has released a bunch of guidelines about how to spot human trafficking? Yes. This week? Yes, I did. And corporations are not our friends and I don't expect good policy from any organization, but I am very worried about the implications of more and more corporations coming out with quote-unquote anti-trafficking policies, which are essentially anti-sex worker policies. For sure. And also, I might even say anti-woman and trans person policies because like when we talked about the Marriott and affiliated hotels training employees on Mm anti-human trafficking employees can go up and talk to any woman who is drinking by herself at the bar yeah that's crazy like that maybe if what it takes for (laughs) maybe if if what it takes for civilian (laughs) civilian women to start caring about sex worker rights is being being treated like a sex worker then fucking so be it i guess yeah you know but fuck yeah it's a mess and i i'm not surprised that and leftist men love to fucking spout off about sex work yeah and i know a lot of people are making a lot of jokes about you know, that, that activist who was filmed passing the mic because he was a white man. But honestly, like, left dudes, when it comes to sex work, unless you're supporting sex workers like you do all workers, fucking pass the mic. Yeah. Like, unless you actually have something to say. I can't deal with that. No, I know. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm glad they passed that resolution, but I mean, it sounds like it was pretty fucking... Debated. And it immediately came back up for reconsideration. Yeah, yeah. so fuck everybody. Basically. Why? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So distrusting to me. Mm-hmm. You're anti you're anti-cars like we can all understand, you know, like um, What's the purpose of not decriminalizing something if you claim that you're anti-carceral? Yeah, it's athlete. Right? Yeah. What purpose does it have? And it's literally the oldest profession Mm -hmm. if you believe in even if you think that people are being harmed by doing sex work yeah which is by and large not the case you know of course we have to acknowledge that some people do survival sex work or some people you know are being pimped or are being trafficked or what have you but largely people are doing sex work because it's a job like any other job and what we have to acknowledge is that if you think that people are being harmed by doing sex work, y- you should take a harm reduction stance to it. Yeah, of course. You should make, <laughs> you know, you should make it as safe as possible for yeah. these people. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but. And also the other thing that I will say is that further criminalization or not advocating for decriminalization 
actually empowers human traffickers Mm -hmm. and pimps because they were doing it when it's illegal. They'll continue to do it illegally regardless. It's forcing sex workers underground. Isn't helpful to anybody. It's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So thankful to that chick. Organizer, follow her. She's very good. And uh, yeah, honestly, fuck the DSA if they're uh, yeah if that's what they're about. I mean, I'm not really surprised after watching some of the videos of the way people were acting. No, it's very self-serving. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's so dark. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you only use the uh, sex work positive doors, guys, on your way out. <laughs> Hi, yeah, uh, Evo Driscoll, she, her, Ottawa, Ontario. Point of personal privilege. I- <laughs> they were using, like, Robert's rules for that meeting, too, which is, like, really funny. What it's does like, that mean? Okay, so, like, if you're running, like a, like, a general meeting or something like that, you know, they have rules for, like, big meetings and the way that you conduct yourself. Okay. So you have to, like, submit in an agenda oh, two weeks beforehand and everybody needs to have it a week beforehand or whatever. Okay. There's rules about how you're allowed to speak. So, you know, um, the person that's presenting the motion mm-hmm. or the amendment comes up, they present their idea. And then if you want to speak, you have to raise your hand. You mm-hmm. have to say, you know, there's things that you have to say. So mm-hmm. saying point of personal privilege is mm-hmm. like, you're going off topic. Mm-hmm. Point of personal privilege is like, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Ugh. And that entire video that I watched was just people having points of personal privilege. Yeah. So it's not anything that's relevant to the issues that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's basically like interrupting all the people who are wanting to speak. So like yeah. the way it's supposed to work is, you know, you say something. So like I bring up something, mm-hmm. a question about the thing, or I say, I don't agree with your proposal because of this. Yeah. If other people want to rebuttal against me, mm-hmm. there's only a certain number of people that they can have speak against me before the next person is allowed to bring up their point. Okay. And then you revisit them all. So it's very organized. Yeah. Okay. But you know, point of personal privilege. <laughs> I just don't understand how we are going to work together and organize. Like, socialism's not going to win if people are raising their hand to fucking whine every five seconds about something that matters to nobody in the room besides from themselves. It's like when you're in a meeting and somebody asks a very personal, specific question that's more anecdotal. Hypothetically, if I went to the bathroom five minutes ago and then I came back from the bathroom, but I missed somebody's point, but I heard that some controversial statements were made surrounding like How would I be able to find that out before (laughs) forming my own opinion? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Like I used to fucking hate that about like lecture. Mm. And somebody raises a hand and they're like, okay. What if you work at a Loblaws in the floral section and hypothetically and On it's, Wednesdays. And it's like, okay, we all know you work at Loblaws in the floral section. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like find a general way to fra- make your question applicable to know everybody or is. shut the fuck up. And no know what like, your point is. No comments no more of a comment than a question. Yeah. I went to a talk in the fall and It was so embarrassing because the person who was speaking was very informed and like gave an amazing talk and guys with like undergraduate degrees in philosophy 
wouldn't stop raising their hands to fucking jerk themselves off about how much they knew and like waste this person's oh time. God. It's like, what do you have a question? It was about art. It was at Art Toronto. Oh, okay. But it was like, Jesus Christ. oh yeah, my God. Philosophy bros, right? Trying yes. to impress her. It was so embarrassing. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we move on? Mm-hmm. Let's okay. talk about the internet. The internet. The internet. The internet. The internet. The internet. So I don't have a beef this week. Yeah. You don't have a beef? I kind of have like, when we were talking about something earlier, you were mentioning Mm -hmm. about how comedy isn't considered an art form. (laughs) And I was thinking about this because I know that we Mm -hmm. talked about this on the podcast like quite a while ago. Yeah. But recently, it's really been irritating me to hear about this topic yeah. Because there's a lot of people in the local scene, and I'm sure other scenes too, mm-hmm. who are barely comedians that yeah. bring it up as a point of personal oppression constantly. <laughs> Have you noticed this happening recently? No, I don't pay attention for my to own mental health. Yeah. It's like socially, like it's yeah. not like online. Like I keep hearing if people you being don't... like, well, I'm a, I do comedy and also like comedy isn't even considered an art form. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this. Sorry. No, it's okay. My personal, like, this is this is a just a principle that I live my life by as a comedian, as a as a daughter, yeah, as a friend. Okay. <laughs> okay. As a bitch, as a lover, as a sinner, <laughs> as a mother. <laughs> yes, yes. As a comedian. <laughs> If you are averaging less than three laughs per minute, I just don't listen to what you have to say about comedy. That's fair. Ever. Yeah. And that's pretty generous. That's pretty generous. That's uh, that's allowing for like storytelling comedians. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, one of the bitter burns that (laughs) that you can say to a comedian who does a lot of lawn jokes but isn't super funny is if they get on off stage, you can say, oh my God, I love storytelling. <laughs> oh my god, I love the moth. I <laughs> <laughs> know what that is. The moth? Yeah. It it's so bad. It's like a show that they have. I think it's sponsored by like NPR. Mm. And it's a live show, but I think there's also like a podcast, but you have to like they have a theme and you have to submit a story and they vet stories, but it's like a show of all storytelling. So like there could be a moth session called like ghosts. It's like adults read things they wrote as kids, but like themed kind exactly, of. Exactly. Okay, exactly. I don't like that. No. Yeah. So the reason why this bothers me is it's like, okay, obviously I think that comedy is art, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. It has all the things that you have yeah. to do. If you think writing is art, you think comedy is art. Exactly. Uh, comedy is like if you think performance is art then comedy's art it's acting plus writing yeah but Mm -hmm. the issue specifically surrounding this in canada is the fact that you cannot receive arts grants from the government as a comedian because they don't consider it art i kind of understand this because how do you quantify it they need to put in place like qualifications that allow you to determine like who should be eligible for these grants right it's not all about the grant proposal it's also about what you want to do with the money right that's the grant proposal but you know what i mean so if like all of the people that are complaining about this Mm -hmm. are people that should never receive money to work on a project 
Right. They're people who haven't been paid for a show yeah, yet. They should not be. You don't have six minutes. Like, who cares? The pro- and people who are seen as comedians are people that, not always, but a mm-hmm. lot of the time are already making money. So you can't make it a factor of like how much money you're making in order to receive money. Right. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think I think that the parameter should be or or like you, these people would never fit the parameters no they would never right fit the because parameters. it's like if you don't have six minutes you don't need to be applying for a grant to record an album or record a half an hour special yeah like it makes no sense like these people are complaining about comedy not being art because it's their personal oppression because they have nothing else to complain about mm-hmm. when it's like okay if you were someone that was actually in the position mm-hmm. for this to be a problem you wouldn't be randomly bringing it up socially all the time. I wish my life was easy. Yeah. I'm going to start inventing problems, <laughs> like, like, as a hobby. Like, my hobby isn't seen as art. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. By the majority of people. I would not say that it is seen as art by the majority people of people. People who are going to respect you in any way for doing comedy. If people aren't going to respect you, it doesn't matter. That's true. Right? People do famously think that stand-up comedy is easier than any other form of art. Yeah, that's probably true. Definitely. Because people are like, one time I said something funny at a party and everyone laughed. Well, that's why anytime someone tells <laughs> me that they want to try stand-up comedy, I say, okay, do it. Yeah. True. Okay. 100%. Go for it. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You're allowed. Yeah, of course. <laughs> or like, I always thought I'd be good at that. It's like, ah, uh, okay. Sure, I don't know. maybe. Whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't decide. Yeah. <laughs> when people ask me if it's hard, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I tell the truth. <laughs> when people are like, I'm thinking about trying, I'm like, are you funny? <laughs> if it's someone who's never made me laugh. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Anyways. That it's was not just... because I'm gatekeeping. It is because I'm gatekeeping, though. We need less unfunny comedians. <laughs> less unfunny comedians. We do. And more funny ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... Well, because some of these people aren't storytellers either. No. Like, they're just, I don't know what they're doing. The storytelling's also not good. But no, I, mean, I know, like, but at least you can qualify to something. Yeah. I would prefer, yeah, that's true. It, it's like, there's too many people, I would separate bad comedians into two things. Okay. There's people who are being stupid on stage. Yeah. And there are people who are being mentally ill on stage. Yeah. And arguably, all good comedians are also being mentally ill on stage. Yeah. To varying degrees mm-hmm. at various times. Right? But it's like there's a clear and defined time when it's like you're we've all been watching somebody and been like, you need to be saying this to a professional. Yeah. Not into a microphone. This is not the audience funny. is not your therapist. Yeah. You're being pathological right now. And I know that like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's a bad thing to say. And it's like, I'm not shitting on those people for being bad comedians, obviously. But it's like the stage isn't what they need. <laughs> and it's doing like comedy TikTok isn't good for Twitter. your mental health. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's true. No, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, if you're intending for someone to see this, mm-hmm. there needs to be a purpose besides it just being beneficial to you. Yes. Of course. One would hope. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that was my beef. Yeah, I took a beef. <laughs> now I'm riled up and I didn't have a beef because I've been like staying offline and drinking water and like doing skincare. So <laughs> well. I'm feeling good. <laughs> Shall we? That is infuriating though. I have a really good dumb bitch of the week this week. 
Sweet, let's do it. Okay, it's time for Dumb Bitch of, of the week. week. I have one too. It's so exciting. Yay! ready okay so this is in my message requests on twitter perfect and this guy said what color are your panties then he sent me a meme that said every dead girl has a bad girl side it just depends if her partner knows how to awaken the beast then he sent me a picture of his old ass in boxers with a hard dick then he sent me his phone number (gasps) Oh my God. Then he sent me another meme that said, Oral, if it doesn't look like a demon being exercised from her body, you're doing it wrong. Ugh. Then he sent me a gif of a woman getting her pussy ate. Then he sent me <laughs> another meme that said, the best remedy for a dry mouth is a wet pussy. Then he sent me another meme that said, most men can fuck, but eating pussy is the mark of a real sex god. Women absolutely love oral sex for its immense pleasure and guaranteed orgasms. Not guaranteed. You can bang a pussy for hours and make her sore without giving her a single orgasm. Eat pussy properly and voila, she will tem- tremble with orgasms like a leaf in a storm. A ditch is impressive, but knowing how to lick pussy makes a woman feel special, wanted, and appreciated. Combine great cunning lingus with a good fuck and watch any woman turn into your set slave for good. <laughs> oh my god. What area code is his phone number? 415. It's gotta be no Quebec, maybe Montreal. Yeah, I think you're right. Nope, California. Hmm. Let me. See. I didn't investigate this guy's account. Should I look yeah, at his Twitter account? At, wow, that was a really insane one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he's got his he wife. His wife in the photo. He's got his wife in his display pic. He said. <laughs> no dreads or alcohol or tobacco but alas not perfect damn it i made my 10th step amends that i will not apologize for Ooh. so this guy found me from sober twitter <laughs> he he needs to make amends for his addiction to being horny in women's dms to an insane degree you're supposed to be celibate when you're getting sober yeah for a year well damn if you're in the program yeah well he refers to the steps though yeah (laughs) dude yeah how bad was the picture of himself that he sent bad for sure he looks to be in his i would say mid to late 50s let me Mm. evaluate the situation his mirror's really dirty uh, oh my god his room's kind of dirty too yeah he's wearing uh like the launder like bots or briefs the launder ones not the short ones they're blue they're hands he looks like he's about five and a half inches <laughs> hard uncut <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing two watches for some reason Oh, what a loser. Oh, he's in a hotel room in this photo? One on each wrist, yeah. Oh, he's wearing his wedding ring. Damn boy. He took that photo live. Go off. Yeah. Jesus Christ. This was over the course of 
about 10 minutes. <sighs> okay. That might be your best dumb bitch ever. Thank you. Honestly. Uh, better than uh, Louis Montreal 420. I mean, he holds a special place in my heart. <laughs> but that one was like pathological. <laughs> Do you want to hear my dumb bitch? Yeah. All right. So this was in my message request. Mm-hmm. Hey there. Smiley face. Congratulations on getting your nipples pierced. Smiley face. How long have you had them for now? I have a few piercings myself, too. Tongue face. Mm. Those were all sent at the same time at uh, 12, 11 a.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. It was a man, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a man. Yeah, he's definitely a man. His name's David. Cool. Can we read his bio? Yeah, I'll find him. He has a really good username. <laughs> What's his username? Should I say it? Yeah. Corona Jeep 2001. <laughs> Born in Crown Town, California. All right. That's his bio. Nice. Four followers. Did you tweet about having pierced nipples? I said, uh, yeah, my tweet that prompted this was uh, clipping the treadmill safety thing to my nipple piercing. Oh, yeah. He also doesn't follow me, so he was just looking up the word nipple piercing in Twitter. Oh, God. Yeah. Nice. Hell, yeah. This guy sent all of these messages at 12.30 p.m. That's right. (laughs) This was... (laughs) Hell yeah. Sun- Sunday lunchtime, baby. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna tell his wife. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Should we do our tweets of the week? Yeah. Cool. Look at mine. Okay. So I'm actually glad that you brought up that whole thing about the um video that that guy posted of himself passing the mic mm-hmm. when it said uh white activists take note yeah. or whatever. Because this tweet is based off that. Okay, sweet. So this tweet is from a um, friend of the pod, actually. Mm-hmm. Several tiny rats, Nate. Mm-hmm. I was attending an event last night and it was asked, what do you think of this weed, bruh? The joint was passed to me. I smiled wryly, shrugged, and without saying a word, passed the mids to a queer woman of color <laughs> sex worker to my left. <laughs> <laughs> he is so funny. I know. He's really funny. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Fuck. I would never pass the joint. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh. My tweet of the week is from Connor O'Malley. And he tweeted Smoked an eighth of crack. Now I'm in the Starbucks writing comedy. <laughs> Why do you like that tweet so much? <laughs> Because it's because it's relatable. Nobody writes jokes because they're like in the uh, right state of mind. No, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> now if I'm a Starbucks writing comedy, yeah. If I'm if I'm ever like if I show up to a show and I'm like I have like two no, two new jokes, you should be like, bitch, what happened today? <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like. Normally, when your life is going good and easy and boring, you're like, fuck, I'm not funny anymore. I can't write any jokes. And then everything comes crashing down and you're like, nice, I'm funny again. 
I'm in the Starbucks writing comedy. <laughs> now I'm in the Starbucks writing comedy. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it will be like, woke up too late to take my Adderall, crushed it up, rolled it off my desk, and now I'm in the Starbucks. <laughs> No. <laughs> the half-life. <laughs> All right. I think we're, prob- we're probably dead yeah. for this week. This podcast is brought to you, as always, by Boobly. Grapefruit sparkling water beverage. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Boobly sparkling water beverage. Thank you. It's bubbly. <laughs> well, then why why did they spell it like that? I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. I'm a stupid bitch. I'm a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. <laughs>